This episode of No Quarter is brought to you by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear the Alan Parsons Project on the stereo. So when you're in the Chicago area, and you're looking for all those classic games people play, head over to the Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. I'm Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And this is yet another episode of the No Quarter Podcast, where we talk about classic video arcade games. We do. That's what we do. We talk about them, and they're classic, and they're games. And some of them are not so classic. Uh, that might be the case this week. <laughs> uh, I think so. Yeah, maybe. I didn't, I didn't hate it, but not my favorite game and we'll get to yes. that in just a minute but first of all do we have feedback Carrington? we did we got a few things you know the usual facebook and twitter and email and the stuff usual. let's pick out a couple here oh we got a nice one from peter peter peterson out in new zealand he wrote us to say hey guys i thought i'd take the liberty of adding your scores up starcade style and i think this is the second person who's done this for us we had somebody at the end of last year do this as well yeah now you're gonna stop reading this because this is not gonna come out in my favor either and well we also just talked about how i've been remiss on the latest scores but anyway he I, I, says i'm not a fan oh. of when people remind me that i'm not as good at you at these games this is my favorite bit of the show all right go ahead it says overall, Mike has a score of three million five hundred sixty thousand and thirty-two, while lot. Carrington has a score of four million four hundred twenty-seven thousand and thirty-nine. Mike has won thirty games, Carrington thirty-six, and you guys came a tie once. I'm like a million points behind you, man. This sucks. Well, not I quit. Well, kind of, but. I've been messing up the show notes recently. In fact, we just noticed now because we were talking about this right before we started oh, recording. I see, I've been sabotaged. <laughs> You have been, and Mike was saying how <laughs> the scores have not been appearing for the last few shows, and he just assumed I, I stopped putting them there. Never assumed that I'm doing something on purpose. <laughs> no, it was, I had deleted the score-showing bit of the code for our show notes when we did the Starcade show, because right. there, no, there were no scores to show, and I forgot to re-enable it for subsequent shows, so it just hasn't been showing them. And I can point out that in one game recently what was the one we were just talking about where i think you got four hundred thousand points more than me mm, cube quest yeah. something cube quest yeah so so our scores do go back and forth all over the place but at the moment it says that mike going back to the email it says mike tends to win on lower scoring games other than cube quest i guess <laughs> which is why his score is currently so much lower anyway i thought you'd be interested and you know what peter i was interested <laughs> i liked your email very much <laughs> yeah, not and so much peter he, you don't need to do that again really <laughs> Yes, he does. Keep it up. Keep it up as long <laughs> as I'm winning. So he wants to also drop a couple of requests for some of his favorites, and he suggested four, two of which I know and agree with and probably are already on our list, and two I'd never even heard of before. So the two that I know are Two Tigers and Bank Panic, and the latter of which in particular is a game I really like. And then he also suggested Combat School and Slap Fight. And I don't know either of those games. Do you know those ones, Mike? I've heard the title Slap Fight. I don't have any specific memory of seeing it. And and Bank Panic is obviously a more, I don't know if it's 
popular, popular, but it's, it's one I've played quite a bit. Yeah, it's awesome. And Love Bank Two Tigers I, I've seen but not played. So, yeah, we'll definitely add those to the list and mm. look forward to them in upcoming episodes. At the end of his email, he concludes with, also, me and my wife have been doing a gaming podcast. And I thought you might want to check it out. And you know, he was right. I didn't want to check it out. And I did so. And uh, dear listener, you might want to, too. It's called Expert versus Novice. And it's got this great premise. Peter's been an avid gamer his whole life, but his wife, Jody, is, well, basically a big noob. <laughs> so <laughs> the point of the podcast is they're going through classic games together. It's more PC and console gaming than arcade stuff, but they did do one episode on Pong. And uh, anyway, it's up to episode 12 already, and we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. And I've been skipping around through the episodes rather than listing in order, and I'm in the middle of listening to their episode on Journey, which is a game I loved, loved, loved. So yeah, cool podcast out in New Zealand, so for people can check out. Right. Let's see, what else did we get? Some stuff on Facebook as well. Chris McClave, he wrote in to say, hey guys, love the podcast. Look forward to it each week. Keep up the great work. Have you guys talked about your MAME setups before? I'm curious what you're running. I think we may have touched on it before, but I don't know if stuff has, has changed. Mike, basically, what are you running MAME-wise? Well, it depends. Um, for, for, I do most of my MAMing, if you want to call it that. <laughs> I like to MAME Carrington. I do most of my gaming on an iCade uh, with my iPad 2, actually. I found that the processor on that for most of the games is sufficient. Especially for the games that we run, because we're doing like the serious old school ones. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, it, cer it, can't, it certainly can't keep up with the, the Laserdisc games. And I think like the main recommendation to play CubeQuest is minimum is like a three gigahertz processor. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, Oh, so what, what software do you run? Like what app are you using to play them on your iPad? I have two. I have Gridly. Which mm -hmm. was, That's what I use. Which was released briefly. I think it was actually on the App Store for about a month, and then it got pulled. So if you didn't grab it while it was out, you'll have to jailbreak and install it that way. And then the other one was it's called iMame, which I think lasted for about a day uh, on the App Store before they yanked that one. Oh, so there's nothing like currently in the App Store that'll just let you... Uh, no, no, Apple. Oh, yeah, because they got that thing where you're not supposed to execute code, which technically this would be doing. Apple's like not very code. happy yeah. about that sort of stuff. And for whatever reason, mm. Gridly, I think Gridly got away with it for a while because it didn't, it didn't overtly advertise, hey, you can emulate all these games. It was a... It was a main emulator, but it was all the settings were set just to play the Gridly ROM, and they kind of didn't bother to tell anyone that. Oh, all you have to do is stick the ROM files in this directory, and it'll instead of booting to Gridly, it'll it'll boot to the main interface. Yeah, that's what I use on my iPad as well. So, which iPad model are you using? I have an iPad two. It's a sixty-four gig, and if you if you're Running Gridly, I think that uses the, a later uh, MAME engine, actually. So for some of the higher-end games, you probably want to switch to, to iMAME because it's a prior version. It's several several versions back as far as the MAME engine is concerned, and so it doesn't pound the CPU quite as hard. But probably like just like on a PC, you're going to have to match your MAME ROM versions to the the engine version. Yeah. If you're using iMame, if you get if you got a copy of that, you need the the 0.37b5 ROMs. Nothing else will. Some of the ROMs, if they haven't changed from previous sets or going forward, they might work. But there's no guarantee unless you get that particular set. The nice thing is that set is all over the internet. You can just grab it and then pick and choose the ones that you want to put on your iPad. And for Gridly, I think the engine has been updated to. Uh, the version of MAME that's running is 0 0.139, so you'll need to make sure you get those ROMs. Uh, otherwise, you might have problems with them not working. Both of which are older versions. I think MAME's currently up to 
151 or something? It's or? a 0.52 is the latest version. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and so when I when we're playing a game that has a more complex controller setup, you know, or I need a trackball or um, or extra buttons, then I'll switch to my PC and I've got the X Arcade that can sort of help with that. I mean, obviously nothing's going to, nothing that I have anyway is going to emulate weird controllers like Spy Hunter or Star Wars or Tron, but uh, it gets closer than, than the iCade. The nice thing about the iCade is that it's small and I can you know, set it on whatever countertop and uh, it's easy to set up and use. So. What about you? I've got, um, I guess, three different setups. My primary one isn't necessarily the best of them, but it's the most convenient. I have MAME64 installed on my MacBook Pro. So that just runs through the terminal. No fancy front end or anything. So it just brings up the list. You type in the beginning of the, the name of the game you want to play and hit return, and then you're, you're dumped into the game. <laughs> you so command it's, line it's nerd you. To- totally command line, but it's fast and it's stable and it runs on my Mac. So I've got that in front of me all the time. So I just have just a link directly to that right in my dock. So I just click on it and bingo, I'm in, I'm in MAME. So I dig that a lot and I'm running MAME, I think 0.149, the ROMs is what I've got a set of that installed there. I have an older set installed on, I think I think I showed a video on this on an old episode of Retro Computing Roundtable. It used to be running behind me for a while. I built a little tabletop MAME setup and it was my first actual you know, standalone MAME cabinet. And that one runs off an old Xbox. And so I'm running, I don't know, it's CoinOps, I think, is the front end on that. So it's just a CoinOps, you can just sort of download and install. It's really straightforward. And I'm running an older version of MAME 0.13 something on that, I think. And that runs on CoinOps. And that's nice because it's got a proper real joystick and buttons. And it's, you know, something that would be less embarrassing to show to Quinn Duncan, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, you got to raise your game with our listeners. And then uh, the most powerful MAME setup I have is I've got a dedicated MAME PC. And that's what I intend to build a full-size cabinet around of some sort, but I haven't decided what I want to do with it. So I've got MAME installed, but it also is just running through a DOS command line. I still haven't put a front end on it. So eventually I'm going to get with the cool kids and run Hyperspin or something. I just have never really gotten around to it in any setup. So I'm I'm basically all text all the time lately. So that's what I'm running. Oh, and I, I, have, I still have a borrowed tank stick as well, which I still haven't got back to my friend. <laughs> But I don't really like it that much for some reason. It just doesn't go well with me. So I, I find much more often I'm playing with just a joystick controller plugged into the Mac by USB. So I'll use sometimes I've got like a Logitech one that looks like a DualShock controller. It looks like a PS3 or PS3 controller. Yeah. And I've also have an actual Xbox 360 controller. I run that way, too. So I'll use one of those two usually when I'm playing. Two things popped in, into my head as you were talking there. The first is about the ROM versions and versions of MAME and things like that. I used to be one of those guys that upgraded every time a new version of MAME came out. I mean, it was fun to kind of hunt down ROM sets and, and in, indulge my inner pack rat by, by finding, getting it in perfect condition. And But that's less about the gaming experience. What what I've found is especially, I don't know if it's a, lately, but getting new versions sometimes breaks the older games i you know there was i for a while and i forget the version numbers but for a while i had a working galaga and then one version the next version up broke that and the roms weren't working anymore and what what happens is mame tries to give you as accurate an emulation scenario as possible which means sometimes then the emulation breaks because of that because it's closer to running the real machine i don't know if that 
makes a lot of sense the way that I'm explaining it. For example, Donkey Kong, if you go back to the early, early versions of, of MAME, the sound is great. It's crystal clear. It's sharp. But that's because the, these were like, I forget what they, they were either simulated or they were recorded samples that weren't actually the code from the machine. So when they replaced that, those, those sounds with the sounds from the machine, now if you play Donkey Kong on MAME, there's a huge difference between your computer and what you hear in the arcade. It's, it's muffled and, and the, sh the sounds are not very sharp and it's kind of low uh, when you play in MAME as opposed to the, the arcade. But they're using, they're using the real code from the machine and that's what MAME is aiming for is the more accurate emulation. And what you get necessarily isn't a better experience. Right. Uh, so if you have a working set, you know, I would stick with that unless, unless there's some driving reason that you need the next version of ROM. There's really not a whole lot of, for me anyway, I don't find myself going, God, I got to upgrade it or I really want to upgrade because I never know what's going to work then after that. And then I got to mm -hmm. go hunt down older ROMs and fix them and it's, it's, it's just not worth it. Yeah, I'm actually highly motivated to not ever change my my name <laughs> setup for that exact reason like so many times I, I think it was in 147 and a bunch of games i wanted to play wouldn't work and so that was the reason i upgraded mm -hmm. but all the games that i've been wanting to play and all the games that we've played on on the show so far are working with my current setup so i don't want to mess with it so until i get to the point where there's games i want to play and they don't work with the current main rom system i have i'm not changing anything and and ideally that means i will never have to change it again i'll never have to re-get this 40 or 80 or 200 gig setup because it's quite a lot of data if you go downloading it as long as my gals panic still works i'm happy <laughs> whatever and the other thing that I wanted to say was about the X-Arcade. Are you going to defend it? No, I'm not, actually. I found Tell me why it's so awesome. It's your favorite. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. It's To me, it's better. It's a better experience than uh, using the arrow keys and the control button on my keyboard to play. <laughs> okay, yeah, which, frankly, I do end up doing quite a bit. <laughs> I end up playing with these games a lot of times just on the keyboard because I'll be at work. I'll take a 20-minute break. I play games, and all I've got is the keyboard. <laughs> it's, it's really not a very good experience for a lot of games. I don't know about you, but I can't just take my tank stick into work and fool them into thinking that I'm still working. <laughs> the thing about the tank stick, and, and I've seen this, it's, it's, I think the way that X-Arcade makes all of their controllers is that the sticks are really stiff. You know, they, they're kind of, it's kind of a heavy click, and a lot of games don't require that, and they don't feel good. I feel like sometimes I'm having, I'm having to put extra effort into moving the, the stick around, and that sort of lessens the amount of fun that I'm having because I'm having to worry about, God, this controller is um, heavy. And For me, it's just that it's so big. I mean, the thing is massive, which I guess is good because it's, you know, like you're saying, it's solid, it's well-built, blah, blah, blah. But it feels like it weighs as much as a full arcade cabinet. Like, <laughs> so I try to put it on my desk it's, or on my lap or something, and it's just, it's too darn big to be useful for me. I'd really rather have something that was essentially a small flat rectangle, almost like I would rather just have an actual real size control panel from a game. And that's it. And that's really what I'm looking for. Something way smaller than the tank stick. I absolutely agree with that. And one of the reasons that I do end up playing with the, the arrows and the control key sometimes even at home is I have to, you know, clear my desk a little bit to make room for the X arcade. So unless I'm going to be spending a couple of hours gaming, it's, you know, it's kind of an effort mm -hmm. to pull this thing out, to clear the desk, pull it out, plug it in. And then when I'm done, if I'm playing for 15 minutes, I'm just going to play on the keyboard. Now, at the other end of the spectrum, you have the, the iCade, which is a neat, wonderful toy that actually started as a joke, I think. And somebody said, hey, I can actually build one of those. And they did. But 
the stick and the buttons that ship with it are kind of cheap and they're light and they don't work very well. The, like the, the knob on top of the joystick spins off easily. I kept, as I'm playing, you know, the, the thing is <laughs> twisting off and it wasn't very sensitive. So I kept like, you know, if you're playing Pac-Man and especially in fast mode, it's you miss tunnels. And it was really, fr- I was kind of getting to the point where I didn't want to use it anymore because it was just so annoying. And I found a, a a guide on the internet, and there are a bunch of these you can go out and, and find that have step-by-step instructions on how to upgrade the stick and the buttons in your in your iCade. And once I did that, man, so much better. Just by getting a better quality stick, better buttons, the whole thing works a lot better for me. So, Underneath, are they wired up the way a normal stick and buttons would be wired? Yes, they are. Oh, then yeah, then it should be relatively easy to swap then, because I've wired them up a few times. And We've said this on, on a number of shows, but people who are interested in, in putting together their own little custom MAME setup in some way should absolutely not be afraid of just getting the, the buttons and the wires and like an iPack or something to plug everything together. It is remarkably simpler than it looks. Like the actual mm-hmm. woodworking or whatever you'd want to do to, to make the cabinet, that's the hard part. But the wiring up, you're not soldering anything. It's literally you're plugging stuff together. It's super, super easy. I think a lot of people don't do it because it looks like it must be something difficult or something that you need to be a, a hardware engineer or something to do. But you, you absolutely don't. There's a lot of, you know, you, people pop that control panel up and they, yeah, they see wires everywhere and control mm-hmm. boards. It's like, oh, my God, you know. But, yeah, these the, most of the guides that I found, of it, it's very clear. They take great photos and, like, step by step, you know, here, unplug the cord from here, stick it over here. And I get why the manufacturers of the IK went with the equipment that they did. You know, they, they've got a $99, 95 mm-hmm. price point. They don't want to go over 100 bucks, and so they're going to use the cheaper parts. And that's great for the casual gamer, which, although I guess I guess the folks over at uh, Atari Age <laughs> might call me that too. But <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm like, and we are no longer casuals? When, when well, did that happen? I think that's a, the amount of gaming that I do. How's that? Ah, yes. yes. For me, it was it was worth the extra, you know, 50 bucks in parts and shipping and 45 minutes to swap it out. So that's my main setup. I like it. And mine as well. So and people should get their own. And I'd be really interested, actually. We've had a couple of people write in. Uh, like Quinn, for instance, had showed us her system. But a few people have written in to tell us their setups or show us photos of what they've built. And, set. and I'm super interested in that. So if anybody out there listening has a new setup or suggestions or whatever, please, please, please write in because I love looking at I learn a lot from looking at other people's setups. Speaking of that, Quinn actually wrote into um, Open Apple, our, our, my, the other podcast that I do. But she, she's cheating on our podcast. She is. She's fired. Oh. She's banned. But <laughs> there's another post. She built a, a rolling arcade cart, I guess, if you want to call it that, for that big joystick that she built. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's probably going to be my approach. I've been holding off trying to figure out what I want to build around the PC I currently have set up. And I think rather than the full size like another full-size standard arcade cab. I think I'd rather go with something that is more of a cart that's going to attach to like a, a wall-mounted display of some sort, something a little smaller, a little more portable. I think it would work well in my... In, I'm living in a condo, so and I've already got two of these things standing up behind me. I'm running out of space. So that's my, my vague sort of plan. So let's see what else we got feedback-wise. Let's push forward into the show. Uh, Sean, Sean Courtney, he wrote in to say, given the recent episode on Starcade, check this out. He said it was courtesy of our friends over at Atari H, speaking of people who call us noobs and casuals. (laughs) 
uh, Mark Richards, who, of course, we both talked about his awesome and was the host on Starcade. He has a current LinkedIn profile. And so Sean sent us a, a link to his LinkedIn profile. So oh, I'll cool. stick that in the show notes in case people want to catch up with what Mark Richards is doing and maybe hire him for something. Maybe hire him to be on this show. Mike, you should replace me. With I, I want him to I want him to follow me around and just do a running commentary of my day as, <laughs> as I go about doing it. I want a theme song. I thought, I thought it'd be so awesome to have a theme song where I just walk in places and everyone's like, and here comes Carrington. That'd be great. I totally need a theme song. Okay, so let's let's talk about, I want to talk about this game, this oh-so-awesome game that is your current amazing favorite, this new favorite game of yours you made me play this week. Um, well, are we talking about two different games? Or? <laughs> no, I'm just making stuff up. So this week's game is Snapjack, which I had never heard of before we decided, well, before you decided that we're going to play it this uh-uh, week. Uh-uh, not me. You can't put this on me. I give you a choice of games that we should play and you pick. But I always pick the one I haven't heard of. Yeah, you <laughs> so do. Not, you do. It's not fair. If you give me a choice of games, I'm always going to pick the one I don't know. So this is a game by Universal. And we've talked about a few different Universal games, some of which uh, I have liked very much. And then there's there's this one. And then there's this game. <laughs> so Snapjack is based... You guide... Uh, this is the description from, from MAME and from a bunch of other places. Uh, you guide a dot-munching, long-jumping, leg-stretching character through a right-to-left right scrolling scenes of hills and tunnels. You avoid squid things, giant fish, and, of course, kettles and boots on the overhead <laughs> conveyor. Makes no sense at all. No, it's, if you had to describe it in terms of other games, it would probably be sort of a cross between what I saw was Pac-Man Scramble and Moon Patrol. Yeah, okay, good, good choice, because you're sort of kind of a traveling car along a weird up and down ground so we've got moon patrol there the shape of your car slash head is kind of pac-man-y in that you're also eating dots though happen to be dots in the sky and then the overall look of the caverns you go through yeah it's very scramble like so i think good choice i was reading the description of it over on the flyers that was distributed because the Back in the day, they would send out flyers. One side would normally be just a promotional image, and the other side would be like how to play and how the the scoring works, and would be the ordering information. Because these were designed to get the operators interested in the game to think that this would be a fun thing and make them a bunch of money. I'll read it to you. So here, here's the description how they describe. And I find like no matter how you describe this game, people will not know what you're talking about. So this says by working the control lever up and down for up and down and left and right <laughs> for speed, you have your car eat the dots on a course. The enemy Medusa Jack will attack your car, dodge it and try to make headway. When 20 dots have been eaten, a brilliant power dot appears. When it is also eaten, your car increases its power. Now it is able to eat the enemy since it becomes invincible, except when it runs against a rock then there is the jump board at the end of each course have your car jump successfully so that it does not run against the gondola above if it cannot jump high enough it cannot creep up from the marsh and will be eaten by the dragon what (laughs) this this is the game and the thing is the game is just as weird and confusing not confusing in that you don't know what to do like this is a very straightforward game when you deal with this early 80s you walk up you grab the joystick and you get it 
the metaphor that's going on here is so convoluted and bizarre, this marsh dragon thing. And, and like you were saying, the gondola above, which is carrying tea kettles for some reason that you have to avoid. And the squid monster. And you're supposed to be a car, even though it kind of looks like a Pac-Man. And why are you eating? Like the, the whole thing makes no sense at all. It's like you had 10 different people and they all got to do their part of a game, but they weren't told what anybody else was doing. And then they bundled them together and they called it Snapjack for some reason. Why is this even called Snapjack? I have no idea. I know that when I was, I played this game and then I was reading reviews and, and I'm hearing from you that this thing was a car and I thought, what a strange thing. I thought it was underwater because there are fish and, and squid, and but now I'm seeing that it's a moon buggy. And to me, it felt like Universal designed a bunch of games and they would have the graphics and the sound for whatever element. And they decide, well, we're not going to use that for this game because it doesn't fit or, or, or whatever, but we'll hold on to, to all the parts. And once we have enough parts, and somebody was like scrolling through the, the Unix directories one day and found all these like graphics and, and leftover sounds and said, hey, we'll just make all of this into a game. And it's not that Universal didn't know what they're doing. I mean, this came out in 82. So by by 82, Universal had already put out Ladybug and Cosmic Adventure. I think maybe Mr. Do or that was the next year. Like, so this was a this was a company that knew what it was doing. But this game is a total mess, I think. And again, there's, it's not that it's a mess in that. It glitches or it doesn't work. It's just thematically, this is all over the place. It came out, I think, right after Ladybug. And in fact, it used modified Ladybug boards. And when you look at the screens next to each other, it's pretty obvious that they, they came from the same place because the elements on the screen are different, but the graphics and, and the way the graphics are rendered. And so Ladybug had the mechanic where you would grab letters and they would change colors for bonuses. This one has the same thing where you spell out extra and that gives you extra, I think, an extra life. I don't know. I could never do it. <laughs> Everything about it is, it feels like throwaway parts from other Universal games. I mean, it looks like them. It sounds like them. The music that plays in the background is sort of this fun bubbly. It reminded me a little bit of the, the, mm -hmm. the Circus Charlie music that kind of catchy. I actually dug the music. I liked yeah, it. Yeah, I did. It was very catchy and upbeat and happy and fun. And it wasn't repetitive enough to get annoying. It was just repetitive enough to get stuck in your head. And, and then that would make you want to play it again. As bad as this game feels like, I, I did find myself continuing to go back to play it because I had this feeling that if I kept playing, I could get better. And, and you know, we talk about that a lot where these games where you just, you're up, you, you're thrown into something and you're up against it and it's like, I'm never going to get better at this and this sucks and I don't want to play anymore. This is a hard, hard game because the area that you're in is cramped by the, the cave above and below and it fills up quickly with stuff that if you touch anything, you're dead. Mm -hmm. And and it fills up quickly and, and so you get the kind of that adrenaline pumping thing. that And for me, that was enough to keep me coming back even though I never got very good at it. I didn't understand the whole wheels thing because you're sort of floating in space and, and it's not like you had to guide the wheels. And if the enemies hit your legs, they don't affect you. Like, right. So the legs don't do anything other than, I guess, give the game its unique look because that's what this game is, I guess, known for because everyone's got these long legs that just stretch as you move around. But the legs are effectively you know, non-existent in the actual gameplay. Yeah, it's, it's a very strange title and I, I don't... 1982 companies were pushing out games as fast as they could. You know, If they had anything that even resembled an arcade game, hey, just stick it on the board and get it out. You know, we'll get three or six months of profit out of it, and then we can get the cabs back, put something else in it, and push them back out again. Uh, mm. So so I, I understand why Universal would have put something like this out. It's not a horrible game. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
Now, I read a whole bunch of reviews of this game, and they were relatively positive. Now, I think this was also a time where a lot of reviews were in the role of advertorial. So they were reviewing the game, but it mostly was just an ad for the game appearing in a magazine. For the most part, these positive games were describing a game that seemed a lot easier than the game <laughs> I was playing because I was like, you can't, this, this game is impossible. This game is so hard. And I also found that the game was, was stuttering on my setup. Mm. Like I was like, really? My, my PC can't, can't keep up with this thing because it's not that complicated a looking game. And so in a bunch of the reviews, they would talk about how you get a lot of men. Like you start with five men and it isn't lucky that you do because otherwise it'd be very difficult to get to the dragon. And I was like, aha, see, I'm only starting with three men. So I was positive, 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 positive. Mike knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> that the problem, the reason I was doing poorly in this game wasn't that I'm not an amazing gamer. Because, oh my goodness, of course I am. It was that the default MAME setup is for a very hard setting. You only get three men and it's set very difficult. So right before we started recording, to prove that, I, I launched it on MAME and uh, brought up the dip switches. And, oh no, it's actually set on easy. There's four different levels and i'm then the easiest <laughs> of the four so i have no excuse now i was set to only have it is set to only give you the three men instead of you can have up to five yeah i was actually playing on the easiest setting and that boggles my mind i can't imagine this game being more difficult than it was crazy yeah crazy i i, I did the same thing as you were checking yours i checked mine too and yeah mine mine set on yours was set on hard <laughs> you still beat me whatever <laughs> no mine was set on easy and that may be maybe the default and it's just the, the different number of men or whatever but I had a terrible time with this game and, and it wasn't, again, I didn't feel the, the frustration sort of made me want to keep playing because I felt that I could do better rather than the frustration that just makes me want to go play something else that I know mm -hmm. how to play. Like there were some games that we have looked at before. Remember that bicycle game Clash Road? Mm -hmm. that was an impossible game. And I felt like no matter how much I played, I was never going to get good at it. And I really didn't care. This wasn't that case. Like, like it's the case that I like scramble. Everybody else seems to hate it. I know Rob hates it, whatever, but I really like it, but I've never been able to get to the end of it. I've never finished the sixth, the fifth wave, whatever the last wave is. But I do feel like if I keep playing at it, I can get there and I'm interested in it. This is a game However, I'm not interested enough. Like, I, I can't see me putting more effort in. I wasn't getting any better. I played a whole bunch this week. And if anything, I think I was getting worse. Hmm. So I think I think I should have just quit after the first few games. <laughs> I just get overwhelmed. There's so many things on screen. My little car will, will stutter. There's this moment I was when I was reading the description there. You're talking about how after you eat 20 pellets, then there'll be like a big glowing pellet. And if you eat that, then suddenly your legs disappear. And so you can go everywhere. But of course, you could go everywhere before. So what's the big deal? Right. You just face different directions now. And now you can eat the bad guys and also eat the letters for the word extra. But the letters for the word extra flash on screen for like half a second. They'll flash and they disappear. And if you're not right on top of it, you could never eat one of those things. So it didn't seem like skill. It just seemed like I'm racing randomly around the screen hoping that the letters will just flash underneath where i happen to be and that just seemed like a silly mechanic i don't know why they weren't just staying up on screen long i think that was poorly implemented i had the same problem as you i stopped worrying about the letters pretty quickly hmm. and what about that dragon did you worry like that whole jump thing is really weird yeah so at the end of each level you have each level <laughs> is there more than one interesting yeah there is <laughs> once you swim through all the fish or whatever it is that fills up the space <laughs> and and that's i should mention this here they don't just float past you they sort of group and kind of come your direction no none of these things are really necessarily flying right at you 
but they group tighter and tighter and, and sort of follow you around a little bit, and eventually you just run out of space. I mean, you're either going to hit mm. one of them or you're going to hit the ceiling or wall. Or the tea kettle. Right, the tea kettle. <laughs> the one advantage is you're scrolling from left to right, but you can sort of turn around and go back. The, the scene keeps scrolling, but you're not fixed in a position, and, and it's not like if you speed up, you can't move back again. So you do have sort of a way to kind of move around them, but that doesn't help you for very long. Uh, once you get to the end of that, then you have this jump section, which basically is a, a series of, of pads that you bounce off of one, and you have to position yourself properly to bounce on the next one uh, until you... Now, I kept assuming there was a jump button, but there isn't. So I'm smacking on my keyboard thinking, is there a different way to jump? But you just sort of, you'll automatically jump. And it's more about steering yourself so that you land on these platforms throughout the, the marsh area or whatever. And there's this creature fish thing. I don't know what that was. <laughs> That's exactly That's, it. It's a creature fish thing. <laughs> at, at Just at the other side of the platform. So if you would have landed like on the edge or whatever, that thing is there waiting. And if you, you know, as I said, if you touch anything at all, you're dead. I don't know if that actually affects the gameplay that much. It's probably more a psychological, you know, a psych out thing where like, oh, God, I got to avoid the fish. And you're paying attention more to that than just landing on the pad. Like you said, once you make it to a certain point, it just says jump below you. <laughs> jump and pressing buttons and nothing's happening. Oh, God. And then it jumps by itself and continues to right. jump. So there's some weird stuff like that that goes on in the game. Snapjack features a Z80 CPU at 4 megahertz and two SN76-496 sound chips, also at 4 megahertz. Um, not a whole lot of processing power there, Carrington, so I don't know why your setup was stuttering. I didn't have that problem. <laughs> no? Mm, That's going to be my excuse. Uh, the screen is a, a 240 by 192 pixel screen, kind of low resolution, and it's a, a 32 color palette, an eight-way joystick, and there are buttons on the cabinet, I guess, but I never found a use for the buttons. No, I think the buttons are just for one-player and two-player start. Okay, so yeah. speaking of the cabinet, Carrington? It's dull. It's two <laughs> weeks in a row where we have a boring... The thing is, the front of the cabinet's not. So the sides of it and the lower part down where the coins go, that's your typical universal cabinet. So it looks the same as all the universal cabinets, where it's got the yellow, orange, and red stripes. It's very 70s sort of feel to it. And I actually really dig the look of the universal cabinets. They're all the same, and, and I kind of like that side art. The logo is a mess. Even knowing that it says the word Snapjack, I find it difficult to read that it's a Snapjack. It's just this weird blue and yellow. It's, it's almost like graffiti. So it's like a graffiti side of a building sort of art and it's very difficult to read inside the cabinet the marquee around the monitor and then the area just above the marquee are super colorful and it's this whole moon looking vista painting thing in bright neon colors in fact it looks like the kind of colors that would be on remember those old i don't know if you might remember these back in the back when i was a kid you could get these velvet painting things they'd be like velvet areas but there'd be flat areas and you'd get these markers and you could color in the flat bits and then when it was put under a black light it would really glow does that make any sense to you uh, i don't know what you're talking about grandpa carrington <laughs> some of our listeners i'm sure know what i'm talking about <laughs> i'm all of like two weeks older than you anyway <laughs> i remember these for, from a period when like kiss was popular or something i don't know and i don't think i ever had one but i distinctly remember them so this is a artwork that looks like it's under a black light so it's that kind of super vibrant orange and purple and green and blue not just regular colors but crazy vibrant and it actually looks kind of cool so i dig that control panel is a little messy but 
basically it's just got one ball joystick in the center and off to the left are two buttons for one player and two player and then off to the right is a little bit of instructions how you boil this down for instructions i don't know jump but don't use a button avoid the dragon and the tea kettle and like whatever uh, like this game is so confusing looking there was also a cocktail version but i've never been able to see one in the wild the cabinet though is super super crazy rare i could not find a single instance of one being sold so i have no idea what this would cost i don't think it's rare because it's so amazingly collectible nobody will give theirs up i think it's rare because it did so poorly in the arcade <laughs> nobody hung on to one and they've all been since the universal cabinets are so universal <laughs> see oh, what i did there, did there. Um, i suspect that these were mostly just converted over i bet most of these ended up turning themselves into ladybug machines or just being pushed off buildings alas yes which is too bad i mean i wouldn't want one of these things but it's not like it's a terrible game it's just a game that i really really didn't like unlike most universal games snapjack never made it over to the Ve vectrix pla <laughs> easy for me to say vectrix platform what about Coleco? Because I seem to think of uh, Universal Games as being like, and then they finally find their audience when they get ported to ColecoVision. Oops, that's what I meant to say, Coleco. Oh, was it? Oh, well, there you go. Uh, no, it only ended up, it looks like, on the Commodore 64. Hmm. Oh, yeah, no, I see. Yes, it looks like it was ported in 1984, but as a game called Wheelin' Wally, and I think it was only released in the UK. So only on the 64, only in the UK, this is not a game I would have played. Clearly, I was not their target market. The reviews, especially that are slightly later on in the arcade run after this had been out for a while, say pretty much that it didn't do well in the arcade. And so I don't think they would have been interested at that point in bothering to, to port it to, to anything because, you know, who's heard of that? The thing is, if you look at screenshots of the game, it really appeals to me. I actually like the colors. I like that scramble kind of vibrant look when you're inside caves, like above and below you. I like the look of the sprites and the things after. So whenever I look at a screenshot of this and you see your your guy with its elongated legs going on this, this weird moon patrol journey, it looks really cool. Like this looks like a game that I would really like, but it plays like a game I really wouldn't like, <laughs> which at the end of the day is more important, which is too bad. So I'm going to give a serious thumbs up to the screenshots of snapjack <laughs> but thumbs down to the game in motion this turns out to be a game that unfortunately adds up to less than the sum of its parts which so, so i think i know the answer here but would you have one of these would you buy one of these cabinets <laughs> yes because it might be a really cheap way to get a ladybug cab oh, there you go uh no to be honest i can't see me ever playing this game again me either me neither not me both of those yes i will not be playing this game again which is a shame oh universal swing and a miss on this one speaking of swings and misses how'd you do on points guaranteed well we still have to trash talk this is also something that annoys me because <laughs> uh you would have probably noticed that the high score the default high score that comes with the game is ten thousand points typical for an arcade game yeah and it actually comes preloaded with like a lot of arcade games with five positions for the high score preloaded but all five of them have 10,000 points <laughs> so it's like so when you bring up the screen it'll be number one 10,000 points name is universal number two 10,000 points the name is universal it's such a pain it also means that if you can't beat the highest score this preloaded you can't get on the board at all and I find that particularly annoying because the high score was 10,000 points. And I, I posted a screenshot on Twitter of my best game so far, which was 9,990 points. <laughs> so I was 10 points oh, off getting no. on this stinking board. And it's so 
unbelievably annoying <laughs> that I basically just rage quit the game and haven't, <laughs> haven't played since. So that was a couple days ago, and I'm not going back to it. Whatever. Whatever, Universal. You win this one. I missed out 10 points shy of all of the high scores, <laughs> and it was very frustrating. What about you, Mike? How'd you do? Uh, it looks like I beat you this week, Carrington. Uh, you can have it. Oh, well, I'll take it. <laughs> I need all the points I can to catch up with you. <laughs> I gotta get. Did you beat me by a million? No, goodness, no. Oh, then I'm still ahead. <laughs> so I, I ended up with fifteen thousand three hundred eighty points. Oh my goodness, you did way better than me. I got to the dragon part, like I would just get past that first jump, mm-hmm. and that's as far as I got. I think on on pretty much any time. Like I never got to the second jump, whatever that would be. And honestly, I don't care. <laughs> I've got my nine thousand nine hundred ninety points, and I'm going home. Well, most of my games typically were between five and eight thousand points. You know, every now and then you get a hot hand, and you do well in a game. And, and I got lucky on that one. I think Champow has the high score for this game, the world record high score, listed as one hundred twelve thousand seven hundred ninety points, set by John Anderson on April first, nineteen eighty three. Oh wow! So another one that stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. And there are only two scores submitted, at least that they have publicly posted. Posted. The second score was considerably down from that at 58,080 points by Mark Cothran on June 30th, 1983. So basically, then the third world high score is you. Right now, yes. And then scores four, five, six, seven, and eight are all universal. And then I'm score number nine. <laughs> so you top ten. <laughs> way, way to go, me. Yeah, I don't feel bad. <laughs> I do feel bad because Universal took five spots where they're stinking all the scores <laughs> of the default score. They can bite me. That was very disappointing. <laughs> well, and I have to wonder if these these lower scores sort of go hand in hand with the unpopularity of this game and the fact that nobody played it, nobody submitted, so it wasn't mm-hmm. difficult to beat. And that, that reminds me, we we still have to set up that um, that competition we were going to do for, for the, like, the King of Crap. <laughs> the King of Crap. Yeah, you know, we need to talk more about that offline. We do. Our British challengers are still pestering us to. Come down off our I saw, and... Yeah, I saw them pester online saying it was you know, U.S. versus U.K. Yeah, uh, I would like to point out I'm in <laughs> Canada, guys. <laughs> like, my country was just left out. Screw y'all. I do say God bless the Queen when I wake up in the morning. But other than that... <laughs> All right, so I guess that brings us to next week. With Snapjack 2, Electric Boogaloo. Not even Snapjack 2. We're just going to play this one again until you like it, Carrington. Uh, oh, great. So what's next week's game actually sound like? It sounds like this. So thank you for listening, everybody. It wraps up another No Quarter podcast. All wrapped up like a fish. Bye, everybody. Like a space fish. With legs. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com, or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast, and on Twitter we are at No Quarter Show. All of those links plus the show notes are available at monsterfeet.com, and like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. <laughs>